0: Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 146 of Blast the Right. I'm your host Jack Clark, great to have you on board. Today, some nefarious right-wing doings. What else is new? First up anti-worker behavior, in the form of allowing employers to cheat workers out of their wages. And then torture, as in more revelations thereof, including from an impeccable third-party source. Plus, stirrings abroad towards criminal prosecution of Bush administration officials. Let's get right into it. Whenever I read about the average Joe being abused, it gets me really angry. Doesn't it, you? This is one such story. The main sources for this segment are various articles in the New York Times. The GAO, the General Accounting Office, is the nonpartisan investigative arm of Congress. It did a study of the Department of Labor's wage and hour division. That agency is supposed to enforce minimum wage, overtime, and other labor laws. Bush, of course, cut the funding and staff for the Department of Labor. And those left there apparently aren't much interested in accomplishing their mission. The GAO study found that under the Bush administration, this agency was not doing its job leaving workers vulnerable to abuse. And abused they were. Not surprising for an agency run by right-wingers. Here's how the report put it. This investigation clearly shows that labor has left thousands of actual victims of wage theft who sought federal government assistance with nowhere to turn. Unfortunately, far too often the result is unscrupulous employers taking advantage of our country's low-wage workers. Close quote. Low-wage workers already not earning enough to survive, getting the shaft via right-wing closing their eyes to abuse. Some of the gory details. There were two areas test cases and a study of how real-life cases were handled. Test cases. A team of undercover agents posed as workers complaining of employer abuse. Over the course of a nine-month investigation, five of ten, half of the complaints the undercover agents filed, weren't even put into the Wage and Hour Division's database. Three complaints were put in the database, but never investigated. And maybe most outrageous of all, in two cases, the agency recorded that the employers in question had paid back wages due, when in reality, that reality right-wingers avoid in so many ways... In reality, the employers hadn't paid those back wages. What kind of cases were involved, you may be wondering? One complaint the division failed to investigate was that underage children in California were working during school hours at a meatpacking plant using dangerous machinery. Eh, they're probably the children of illegals. Why should we bother to investigate? Here's another. An undercover agent posed as a dishwasher and complained over the phone to the Wage and Hour Division's Miami office that he hadn't been paid overtime for 19 weeks. That office took four months to return his calls and then said, get this, that it would be eight to ten months more before they'd be able to start investigating his case. That does it for the test cases. As to the GAO's evaluation of real-life cases, the report found that this wage and hour division mishandled one in five serious type complaints. To say the least, the agency was not an outspoken or effective advocate for the workers. For example, investigators would drop cases when an employer failed to return their phone calls. Restaurant workers were owed $230,000 for off-the-books work and tips never passed on to them. Investigators let the restaurant just pay the wages, so the workers lost the tips. Workers at a boarding school were owed $200,000 in overtime. The division accepted the school's offer of $1,000, maybe because a statute of limitations was approaching. As you may be thinking, this agency seems pretty cavalier about workers' rights, and that's what the report found. Amazingly, the agency actually told workers in many cases that what they should do is to go file their own lawsuits against their employers. The whole purpose of the wage and hour division is to avoid the necessity for workers to have to file private lawsuits which they often can't afford to do. You have to remember who we're talking about here. These aren't derivatives traders who've already made millions and now aren't getting bonuses they don't need. These are low-income workers who desperately need every cent of their wages to put food on the table and pay their children's medical bills. Okay, in a moment I'll tell you what the prospects are for cleaning up this situation. Stay tuned.
1: We'll work for food, we'll die for oil, we'll kill for power, and to us the spoils. The billionaires get to pay less tax, the working poor get to fall through the cracks. So let them eat jelly beans, let them eat cake Let them eat sh**, whatever it takes They can join the Air Force or join the Corps If they can't make it here anymore it is, that's what we got, and if the president wants to admit it or not. You can read it in the paper, read it on the wall, hear it on the wind if you're listening at all. Get out of that limo and
0: look us in the eye. Call us on a cell phone, tell us all why. And Dayton, Ohio. As you'd probably expect, progressive advocates are none too happy with this wage theft situation. The group Interfaith Worker Justice advocates on behalf of low-income workers. Kim Bobo, their executive director, said, quote, We have a crisis in wage theft, and the Department of Labor has not been aggressive enough in recent years. The new Secretary of Labor says she's the new sheriff in town, but I'm concerned she's facing the wild, wild west of wage theft, close quote. Which brings me to, what's the Obama administration going to do about this? The new Secretary of Labor Kim Bobo refers to is Hilda Solis. She's probably the most progressive of Obama's cabinet appointments, which isn't saying much given his other choices. But she truly is a progressive. Her parents were immigrants who held union jobs in California politics and then for eight years in Congress, she's been a staunch advocate for workers' rights. Solis reacted to the GAO report by promising, quote, I am committed to ensuring that every worker is paid at least a minimum wage, that those who work overtime are properly compensated, that child labor laws are strictly enforced, and that every worker is provided a safe and healthful environment." Close quote. She's going to increase the wage in our division staff by hiring hundreds of new investigators. The stimulus package will help pay for that. And so Lee's pledged to vigorously pursue the agency's enforcement responsibilities. She'll have legislative support. Good old Representative George Miller, California Democrat, is chairman of the House Education and Labor Committee. He was the one who asked the GAO to do the investigation. I like what he recently said. Quote, When you have weak penalties and weak enforcement, that's a deadly combination for workers. It's clear that under the existing system, employers feel they can steal workers' wages with impunity, and that has to change. Close quote. Miller will push for tougher penalties for employer violations. Throw them in jail, I say. And I ask you, how many right-wing talking points are belied by stories such as this? The value of hard work. Hard work should be rewarded. Taking personal responsibility. The rule of law. These don't mean a thing to the right-wing when money's to be made. Now, Representative Miller mentioned how employers feel they can steal workers' wages with impunity. That reminds me of the situation with union organizing, where in Podcast 137 I told you how employers feel they can fire workers with impunity if the workers try to organize a union. All this is related because strong unions are the best way to protect workers against wage theft and other abuses. So let me quickly mention something to you really, really important. And this, unlike the wage and hour division scandal, you can do something about right now. In Podcast 137, you heard about the right-wing campaign of lies against the Employee Free Choice Act, Labor's number one priority. The act allows for secret ballot elections, just like now, and card check, union recognition when a majority of workers ask for it, card check just like now. The only change is the Employee Free Choice Act doesn't allow employers any longer to veto a card check organizing effort. Well, bad news. Republican Senator Arlen Specter, unlike in 2007, will apparently not support the bill in procedural votes that allow the bill to come to the floor to be voted on. And in more bad news, California Democratic Senator Barbara Feinstein issued a statement indicating she's disinclined to support the bill, even though she did last time. So, if you're a California listener, please call her office and tell her to support it. 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. You can also go to couragecampaign.org, which has one of those fill-in-the-blank-send-an-email pages on this issue. But that's nowhere near as effective as a firm but polite phone call if you can do that. There are other wavering Democratic senators as well. Lincoln and Pryor of Arkansas, Landro of Louisiana. If you live there, call them. Let's do it. Blast the right. The right. Blast the right. The right. Your one-minute voting report. Thank you for the stream of five-star reviews and five-star rankings for Blast the Right that you posted in the iTunes Music Store. Alas, we've still not gotten back onto the main News and Politics feature page. Being there, make sure that everyone looking for a political podcast on iTunes can sample the Blast the Right brand of progressive thought and advocacy. Five-star reviews can put us back on that page, so if you haven't done so yet, please go to the iTunes Music Store and post a five-star review, or if you prefer, simply select a five-star rating for Blast the Right. It stays up there forever, and you'll be countering all the right-wing one-star sabotage reviews, a sampling of recent salvos headed our way. Liberal hippie propaganda. You have got to be kidding. How sad you are. About as insightful as Cat in the Hat. I did get a chuckle out of that last one. Over at Podcast Alley, voting starts all over again at the beginning of each month. So you can also go over to PodcastAlley.com and vote to keep Blaster the Right on their national top ten. Thanks. <laughs> Your sources for this segment include The New York Times, The Associated Press, USA Today, MSNBC, CNN, the British newspaper The Guardian, AmericanRhetoric.com, and the archives at WhiteHouse.gov. To my way of thinking, it's critically important that Bush and everyone else on down be held accountable for creating a regime of torture. I don't know if you've noticed it, but every week, sometimes every day, it seems new evidence is revealed and new efforts to hold them accountable are undertaken. It's a steady drip, 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 hopefully leading to, as Martin Luther King put it, justice rolling down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I'm going to tell you here about a couple of these developments. One minor, one major, one with earth-shaking potential. In Podcast 142, you heard about the explicit invocation of the T-word by some former Bush administration officials. Retired Army Major General Antonio Tuguba investigated the prisoner abuse scandal at Abu Ghraib for the Bush administration. He later wrote, quote, there is no longer any doubt as to whether the current administration has committed war crimes. The only question that remains to be answered is whether those who ordered the use of torture will be held to account. Quote. Susan J. Crawford was in charge of deciding which prisoners to bring to trial before the military commissions. She said that in at least one case, that of Mohammed al-Qahtani, quote, We tortured Qahtani. His treatment meant the legal definition of torture. And that's why I did not refer the case, close quote, for prosecution. Okay, just recently, VJ Padmanaban, the former State Department lawyer responsible for Guantanamo cases, spoke up. He said that waterboarding and other enhanced interrogation techniques, quote, constitute torture. Admitted, no one really knows this guy. This is the minor development. But everyone knows the Red Cross. It enjoys profound international respect. One of its jobs is to evaluate if the Geneva Conventions are being complied with in the treatment of prisoners of war. What did this esteemed organization say about the Bushians? A bit of background to set this up. Back in September 2006, George W. Bush held a press conference. He first defended the interrogation techniques used by the CIA. Here are some excerpts I've put together.
1: In addition to the terrorists held at Guantanamo, a small number of suspected terrorist leaders and operatives captured during the war have been held and questioned outside the United States in a separate program operated by the Central Intelligence Agency. The CIA used an alternative set of procedures. These procedures were designed to be safe, to comply with our laws, our Constitution, and our treaty obligations. This program has been subject to multiple legal reviews by the Department of Justice and CIA lawyers. They've determined it complied with our laws. I want to be absolutely clear with our people and the world, the United States does not torture. It's against our laws and it's against our values. I have not authorized it and I will not authorize it.
0: Well, if George says so, it must be true. Here's where the Red Cross enters the picture, when Bush announces what's being done with the prisoners questioned by the CIA. I'm
1: announcing today that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, Abu Zubaydah, Ramzi bin al-Sheib, and 11 other terrorists in CIA custody have been transferred to the United States Naval Base at Guantanamo Bay. These, These men will be held in a high security facility at Guantanamo. The International Committee of the Red Cross is being advised of their detention, and will have the opportunity to meet with them."
0: The opportunity to meet with them, and meet they did. The Red Cross produced a report and sent it to the Bush administration, marked confidential. Mark Danner is a journalism professor at UC Berkeley and Bard College. He somehow got a hold of this document and wrote an article about it for the New York Review of Books and an op-ed for the New York Times. This is what the Red Cross concluded, The allegations of ill-treatment of the detainees indicate that, in many cases, the ill-treatment to which they were subjected while held in the CIA program, either singly or in combination, constituted torture. In addition, many other elements of the ill treatment, either singly or in combination, constituted cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment. If you look at the chapter headings of the report, any decent person would get a chill up their spine. Suffocation by water, prolonged stress standing, beatings by use of a collar, confinement in a box. Now, you may be wondering, and a right winger would certainly think to claim, well, This is just what the detainees told the Red Cross. They're probably making up stories. Well, the problem with that excuse is that the detainees were kept isolated from one another, both at the CIA interrogation locations and at Gitmo. Yet their stories are remarkably similar. The Red Cross said that it, quote, wishes to underscore that the consistency of the detailed allegations provided separately by each of the 14 adds particular weight to the information provided. Quote. By the way, in case you're curious what beatings by use of a collar means, I was, it means this, as described by some of the detainees, who, remember, never spoke to each other. First is what I call ad hoc collar. I was taken out of my cell and one of the interrogators wrapped a towel around my neck, then they used it to swing me around and smash me repeatedly against the hard walls of the room. Later, the ad hoc towel was replaced by a plastic collar, as two other detainees reported. A thick, flexible plastic collar would be placed around my neck so that it could then be held at the two ends by a guard who would use it to slam me repeatedly against the wall. And On a daily basis during the first two weeks, a collar was looped around my neck and then used to slam me against the walls of the interrogation room. It was also placed around my neck when being taken out of myself for interrogation and was used to lead me along the corridor. It was also used to slam me against the walls of the corridor during such movements. In a moment, what are the ramifications of this Red Cross finding of torture? Stick around.
1: In my line of work, you gotta keep repeating over and over and over again to kind of catapult the propaganda, catapult the propaganda, catapult the propaganda. Chief inspector Charles Golfer has now issued a comprehensive report that confirms the earlier conclusion of David Kaye. That Iraq did not have the weapons that our intelligence believed were there.
0: What does the Red Cross finding of torture mean? Remember back in Podcast 142, you heard that the U.S. is a signatory to a treaty called the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman, or Degrading Treatment or Punishment. Treaties are binding laws on the U.S. government, and the Convention Against Torture unequivocally requires that a prompt and impartial investigation be undertaken, quote, whenever there is reasonable ground to believe that an act of torture has been committed. Close quote. Before this Red Cross report, the Obama administration had Major General Toguba, Susan Crawford, and then VJ Podmanaban to establish a reasonable ground to believe that torture had taken place. Right wingers and other deniers would say Oh, they're just disgruntled officials. So this Red Cross report is the coup de grace for any wiggle room in establishing reasonable grounds to believe that prisoners were tortured. Not to mention the fact that Attorney General Eric Holder has himself boldly stated that waterboarding is torture. Waterboarding is torture. And the Bushians have admitted to waterboarding prisoners.
1: One of those tactics, of course, widely reported was waterboarding, and that seems to be a tactic we no longer use even that you think was
0: appropriate i do remember also way back in podcast 124 i told you how right inside the white house situation room the highest officials in the land like dick cheney attorney general john ashcroft secretary of state colin powell cia director george Tenet, and national security advisor condoleezza rice all sat around and discussed which enhanced interrogation techniques, including waterboarding, would be used on which prisoners. And old George W. has stated that he approved of these meetings. Be assured, the Geneva Convention and the Federal War Crimes Act also provide grounds for prosecution. Given the mounting irrefutable evidence, how does the public feel about all this? The last time I told you about a poll on this issue, a Washington Post ABC News poll found that Americans by 58 to 40 percent said that torture should never be used, no matter what the circumstances. That same poll found that by a lesser margin, 50 to 47 percent, Americans supported investigating, quote, whether any laws were broken in the way terrorism suspects were treated under the Bush administration, close quote. I conjectured at the time that Perhaps that slimmer margin has to do with the question's wording. Instead of whether laws were broken, if it had said whether torture was used, the pro-investigations view might have had a higher number. Given the 58 to 40 percent margin that said torture should never be used in any circumstances in the first place, well, perhaps I was correct. A more recent USA Today Gallup poll found that 62% of Americans want some sort of investigation over whether the Bush administration used torture to question terrorism suspects. A negative development in holding the torturers accountable is that the Obama administration, quote, is trying to protect top Bush administration military officials from lawsuits brought by prisoners who say they were tortured while being held at Guantanamo Bay. The Justice Department argued in a filing that holding military officials liable for their treatment of prisoners could cause them to make future decisions based on fear of litigation rather than appropriate military policy. Close quote. As a recent New York Times editorial summarized it, in too much detail to get into fully here, Obama is definitely a mixed bag, confusing even, on the war on terrorism, treatment of prisoners, secrecy, interrogation fronts. Of course, that's infinitely better than a consistently horrific bag of a Bush or a McCain or any of a thousand and one other right-wingers. And, even though there doesn't seem to be much appetite in the Obama administration or among the movers and shakers in Congress to hold the Bushians personally criminally accountable for their torture-mongering, there is a ray of hope. You may not know this gentleman by name, Baltazar Garzon. He's a Spanish investigative judge, but you may well remember what he did. He was the judge who ordered the arrest of former Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet. Pinochet was arrested in Britain in 1988. Well, for joy for joy, Judge Garzon has, quote, taken the first steps towards opening a criminal investigation into allegations that six former high-level Bush administration officials violated international law by providing the legal framework to justify the torture of prisoners at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, an official close to the case said. The case against former Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez and others was sent to the prosecutor's office for review. The official said it was highly probable that the case would go forward and that it could lead to arrest warrants. Close quote. For those of you familiar with such players, the other officials named include Douglas Fife and John Yu, the latter of the infamous torture memo. The complaint sent on by Judge Garzon is based on the Convention Against Torture and the Geneva Conventions. In case you're wondering what connection Spain has with the case, several of the Gitmo detainees were Spanish citizens, and Spanish law provides for worldwide jurisdiction in cases of torture or war crimes. Reports are... The complaint names not the highest officials like Bush, Rumsfeld, and Cheney in order to make it less politically explosive. Maybe after getting the underlings, they'll go up the ladder, sort of like a mafia prosecution. Now, I can hear right-wingers grumbling, another leftist judge. Not so. Judge Garzon is an equal opportunity defender of human rights. In addition to other right-wing human rights abusers like the former Argentine dictatorship, he's also investigated Islamic terrorists and drug traffickers. You should be aware that the right is also alleging that one of the lawyers pushing the Spanish court to take this case was convicted of collaborating with a terrorist organization. This relating to the country of Chile or the Basque separatists in Spain, I can't make out precisely what the right is claiming. Even if true... I don't care if Osama Bin Laden himself drafted the complaint that Judge Garzon has forwarded on to the prosecutor. The complaint stands on its own factual and legal merits, not on who supports it. And factual and legal merit it has an abundance as you've just heard. Hence, the right-wing resort to their usual distraction attacks. On a buffoonish note, get a load of Bill O'Reilly up in arms, threatening the spanish people if this uh, goes on uh you
1: know uh there's gonna be a lot of uh americans angry with spain spain is cruising for a bruising as they say out in levittown long island where i'm from (laughs) we have a brand new billoreilly.com poll question for you in light of what you just heard and what's happening in spain do you believe we should boycott that country yes
0: no not yet should we boycott spain yes no not yet I'll leave you with this. One of the lawyers who drafted the complaint predicted quote, The only route of escape the prosecutor might have is to ask whether there is ongoing process in the U.S. against these people. This case will go ahead. It will be against the law not to go ahead. Close quote. Rule of law, thy will be done. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. And, of course, write a five-star review or select a five-star rating for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. A special shout-out to you if you're listening on Live365.com or RedDragon365 why don't you consider coming over to the homepage, subscribing for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. You get to the podcast homepage by typing Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. Thanks for help with this week's show to Ellen from Kansas City, Mike Reineck from Boise, Idaho, Joe from Indiana, and David from ThatBlueJeansGuy.com, which is a progressive podcast. And since I forgot last time, thanks to Steve from Seattle for help with Podcast 145. And now a word from another progressive podcaster.
1: These people are all libs. Every day he tells dozens of them. I don't know any more than what I'm telling you, other than I lie. Oh, so that's it. Every day I'm going to expose one. I just flat out freaking lie. You bloated idiot. The Rush Limbaugh Lie of the Day with your host, Joseph Lyles. Five days a week at cgradio.net.
0: You can't handle the truth! Music credits. The break music was We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry, The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music, Not the One Blues by Burnsheet Thornsight, and Catapult the Propaganda, also by Nye's Music. Since this esteemed public official is back in the news a bit, we'll close with a little bit of a song about her. Just What the Idiots Want by the Demolitists. Links to all the music I play on Blasterite can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. I'm also now posting transcripts of each show. All of those can be found linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on the show. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
1: The burger and fries in a French restaurant